welcome to Getting to Nimble. I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician. And I'm Bill Smoots, a pastor that doesn't have much voice today. But we're here anyway just for you guys. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we explore how to survive and thrive in the 21st century church. Today we are talking about nimbleness and what we think that means. And of course, we have to start here because we have renamed the show. You might recall this used to be the Called Podcast, and now we've rebranded to Getting to Nimble. You've probably seen the change in your podcast feed. So we're going to talk about what even is nimbleness, what does that mean for us and, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, as we are working in our churches. So, so what I think of is the little rhyme I learned in childhood, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, Jack jump over the candlestick. Uh, and I wanted us to have, you know, artwork of people leaping candlesticks, but I realized that probably most people don't know that. Well, I realized my Photoshop skills were not, nope, not, ex- non-existent. <laughs> well, and, and, and open flames in churches probably aren't a good thing either. Except, except during silent night. Or, yes, but, but then I have a fire extinguisher nearby. <laughs> yes, this is true. So I have been a church musician for over 20 years now, 21 years this year. I've worked all over the denominational spectrum, and I currently work in a congregationalist church. And I also write. I am working on a book right now for uh, pastoral staff. I have been a pastor for over 30 years now. It just keeps getting longer. (laughs) Uh, I'm a Presbyterian pastor. I've mostly served as a called installed pastor in, in, in that tradition. But in recent years, I've been working as an intentional interim transitional pastor in UCC churches, uh, both uh, from the ENR tradition and the congregational tradition. So you get the Lutheran crowds and the not Lutheran crowds. <laughs> and some drinking songs from Wesley. Big fan. Big fan of those drinking songs. <laughs> So let's start out and talk about nimbleness. When we were looking over our podcast episodes over the past year, we realized we had a recurring theme about change and response to change, and then a recurring theme of talking about the Holy Spirit in the context of change. And we felt like the word nimble or nimbleness was a way of, I think, imagining of understanding our relationship to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we ourselves are leading in our churches. I would also say that that nimbleness is both in a healthy way a response to the Holy Spirit and, and where the, the Spirit is calling us as individuals and, and us as a congregation into God's future. But, but nimbleness is also um, a measure of do we want a future? Uh, I, I've read several commentators heard several church-related people saying if a church wants to not just survive but to thrive in the 21st century it's got to be nimble mm-hmm. and so you know nimbleness for me is 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 about is is future focused is future oriented mm-hmm. that i want a future i also think of nimbleness as it relates to change because it's it's not the same and i think that change is well, it's something that's constant. What is it? What is it that you say, Bill? Death, taxes, the love of God, and change are the only constants I've found in life. So we always have change, but when I think of nimbleness, I think of it not just as a response to change, but a proactive way of being in the world. So I'm thinking about, oh, change has happened. How do I respond? Do I freeze up? Do I throw my hands up in the air and say, like, well, can't pursue the path that I was going on, can't I just can't because things things changed. A curveball curve got thrown my way. Or do we have a response that is um, nimble, it, that can respond to that change and um, 
in, in a way, embrace that change and move forward in a way that's productive and healthy and all those good things. So I think about it as a response to change. But I also think of nimbleness as a, as I said, a proactive way of being in the world, as a way of orienting yourself as a person, as a, you know, if we think of like a physical metaphor of being light on your feet, of balancing, of knowing that change is going to come. And if you know that change is going to come, it kind of changes the way you live in the world rather than thinking, well, things will always be the same. Correct. Correct. Well, and, and change, change has happened. Change is happening mm-hmm. or we see the change coming. Sometimes we can't see the change except in retrospect and be like, oh, I changed a lot over the last decade. I'm a different person now. The And, and the typical church response to change seems to be anger. Why Why did things change on me? We, we, we knew what we were doing. That damn pastor. <laughs> damn pastor or that damn Holy Spirit. Though we, don't, we don't say that very, very often. But But I think that instead of seeing change as a positive and nimbleness related to change as as a good quality as a spiritual mm-hmm. gift uh, yes um, yes as a spiritual that, gift that um we're often just angry in churches and so we react out of this sense that something's been taken from us mm-hmm. or done to us yeah yes yes and and that we can't um just keep plodding on like we comfortably have um because because nimbleness and change related or change related to nimbleness or nimbleness related to change um is is about us having to do things differently mm-hmm. and yeah. we are and creatures of habits be different. yes mm-hmm. yes i think that as we're in churches it, i think we as we as people in general we're reluctant to change we're reluctant to respond well to change to be nimble in response to change but i think church in particular brings that quality out. Church, church writ large, the capital C church, uh, is a place of tradition. It's a place of God is always the same, or I can rely on God. I can rely on the church service to change the same. I can rely on God to be the same when the world around me is swirling. When when uh, national events, current events are all crazy, I can be sure that the church is going to be the same. Um, and it's a place of comfort, right? I think that that is the expectation of church. Everything in the world is changing. Our jobs are changing. Our culture is mm-hmm. changing. Um, our environment's changing. And and in in this tsunami of change, I think people look to God as a constant, um, and 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 so they assume that things they connect to God or relate to God will stay the same as well. Or assume that what their Sunday school teacher told them in second grade second grade is the truth about God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You want to see some angry, confused college students uh, about five weeks into their first semester in a sociology class when when they learn that Moses maybe didn't write the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. They're struggling. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I feel led to own up front is I don't have any greater ownership of the concept of nimbleness than anybody else. I just know that in order to function today, both professionally and personally, I need to understand nimble. I need to be working towards that. This is um, an area that I think both for Bill and for me, we've worked in quite we've worked in quite a few different churches. And in order to do that well, we've personally had to be nimble. 
I'm thinking, uh, for me, you know, Bill's an interim pastor here where I work. We're going to have a, a different pastor eventually. And that is something that I have to be nimble about. It's a change. It's a kind of big change for a church. And that's, that's a, in, if, if I choose to see it this way, that is actually a good thing in that, that, that kind of change is, is valuable, is a leading of the Holy Spirit. I see, um, in, in a great kind of like cosmic sense, this all works together, I, hopefully for good. And if I think of this as like a way that the Holy Spirit leads in my own life and in the life of the church that I am uh, part of leading, uh, that nimbleness comes in as a, nimbleness is a part of that because it's how I respond and am proactive in, in that ministry. And having a positive attitude towards nimbleness is just huge. It, it, it takes, it makes so many changes uh, possible or easier to accept or, or a, a different future easier to move towards. And so not only do you have to think nimbly, but I think you have to cultivate uh, an attitude or an approach of nimbleness in, in how you live your life personally and professionally, in how you invite those you interact with in church to think about what's going on, whether it's a specific program or whether it's how the larger culture is impacting the life of a particular church in this time. As Bill and I are thinking about episodes coming up, we're framing them around this kind of question, how do we actually do this? Because I think nimbleness in a way is one of those values where assuming you want it, it, it can be kind of hard to pin down like, well, how do I actually do this? I want to be happier. Well, how do you actually do that? That's, it's, 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 um, we know what it is when we see it, but it can also be really nebulous. And so we are with ourselves, you know, we, we have a lot of experience um, talking from experience about how to do this, but also um, bringing in uh, conversation partners to talk about specific areas around how to be a nimble person, how to be a nimble leader, and encourage congregations towards nimbleness as we minister together. So, so just working on stretching and flexibility isn't going to be enough? Ah, uh, sadly. <laughs> okay, I'll quit the workout time. Um, I'm excited about this. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm excited about it because I think it's the kind of conversation churches need to be having today. I'm excited about it because it keeps reminding me that I need to practice nimbleness. One of the, the pieces that, that I should be talking about for me personally related to nimbleness is uh, here at the end of January, I will be uh, leaving the congregation where Sarah and I have been working together for the last uh, year and a half mm -hmm. and, and moving on to another interim uh, congregation. Uh, for me, it, will, it won't be that far away geographically. It will be farther away emotionally and uh, spiritually. Um, and, and so it's going to require uh, a great deal of nimbleness out of me mm -hmm. um, and out of staff here yeah. uh, as, as I move change on. Change is change, and sometimes and change is hard, but it's, it it's is good, but it's, di it's difficult. But it's also life-giving. I, mm -hmm. I, I can honestly say the only times or, or the times when I've learned the most in my life, maybe not the only time, but when I've learned the most is when I have changed, when I have moved to a new church, when a child has been born, when, mm. you know, something significant in my life when I got married. Um, when something significant in my life has changed, um, there's this great opportunity for newness and new learning and, and for the Holy Spirit being at work. And, and I try and pay attention to that. This reminds me of conversations I have with my husband sometimes because we're um, 
well, we're, we're in our 30s. We've been doing a lot of schooling, so we're kind of, um, especially for him, at, at the early stages of our, our career. And we talked about paths ahead and the concept of golden hand golden handcuffs, where you like where you are so much that you're unwilling to pursue a new opportunity. You become afraid of the change mm-hmm. uh, because where you are is so great and we really like where we are. And, you know, oh, we have, have one kid, but, but it would be a change to have another one or, you know, whatever that change is. I sh- oh, I shouldn't take that job because I really like where I am. I, you know, I, d- I don't know about this other place. And you can have this problem of having a golden handcuff and you're like, this is great, but it prevents me from flying. And And I think that concept works for churches too. We get to a place where, gosh, we like this community. We like the the staff we have. We like our approach to mission and ministry. And, and we quit paying attention to the fact that the, the world is changing around us. And all of a sudden we wake up and go, where are all the people? Where's all the money? Why did things change 20 years ago and we didn't pay attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we often you can't see the change except in retrospect, unless you're really paying attention. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like weighing yourself every day rather than like once a year when you're at the doctor. You're like, oh. You're, you're supposed to weigh yourself? <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> There's debate on that. But, but that general concept of, you know, you want to you wanna monitor small change rather than be blindsided yes. by the big change. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and cultivating an awareness of those small changes um, is huge for us personally. It's harder to do as a congregation, but it's not impossible. And, and hopefully those are the kinds of things we're going to be unpacking going forward. One more thing about nimbleness and change is that Bill and I are both aware that nimbleness is something that can happen within constraint. And we're thinking about, you know, many of us, we're in churches where you can't, you know, just change everything in the liturgy or you can't just... Um, continually reinvent the wheel. There are certain constraints that you're given that you you can't necessarily do anything about, but that doesn't mean you can't be a nimble person, as in this isn't your excuse. Oh, well, I can't change this thing, so I guess I don't have to be nimble. Um, this liturgy is the same, or or um, my hymnal isn't going to change, so I can't you know, I, can't, I can't do anything different because the hymnal, they haven't authorized another hymnal or, you know, speaking as a musician, whatever, whatever that piece is that sometimes we hold to of like, well, I don't have to change. I don't have to be nimble because I have this constraint. No, you can still be a nimble person and it's still of high value to be nimble even in a space with constraints because we all have constraints. The constraints look different for each of us, but we, we all have them and we all minister within certain types of boxes. And and I think it's it's as much as anything an invitation to to look towards what we're doing in the present creatively, to think creatively, to, 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 to really pray and ask uh, that the Holy Spirit push us around a little bit, show us, show us where that future is or how we can begin to move towards that. And there's all sorts of ways to do that even within existing structure or, or existing uh, theology. Um, we just have to have that attitude um, and be willing and ready to ask those questions and push ourselves. That's all. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. No biggie. So because this is a difficult thing, hence podcast, hence uh, hence uh, upcoming episodes about how to actually do this. Right. We'll get it all figured out by the end of the year. Basically. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about our reads of the week. Bill, what have you been reading lately? I am just about done with the first volume of the lord of the rings how did i know that we were going to have tolkien again <laughs> i, I sense the theme here holy spirit change tolkien <laughs> I, 
and and I know you you have lovely comments about geeky guys and and they're reading. I married one of them. Tolkien <laughs> and over and over and and they can quote you from the Silmarillion, which I could if you uh, wanted to. No, no, no. <laughs> I try and read the Lord of the Rings every five years or so. That's just something I've enjoyed doing since I first encountered it as a teenager. And and one of the things I am noticing now many decades down the path of reading this on a regular basis from this first volume was Tolkien's emphasis on inviting kindness and, and inviting people to um, live with a sense of hope in their lives, even when they're surrounded by so much darkness or potential darkness. And, and that's really been hitting some chords for me given the day and age that we're living in, given the, the darkness of our politics or, or of kind of the, the, the mess that you can look at the world and see these days, um, to be reminded that, that hope is a value and that kindness is important regardless of how bad we perceive things to be, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we are, that if we're kind with one another, if we're kind with the world, there's space for unexpected things to happen. And and that surprised me. I, I wasn't anticipating yeah, I, that. Yeah, I I mean of I message. haven't read all of the Lord of the Ring. You what? No, you, no, I know, right? Oh, but I have seen the movies. Obviously I've got work movies. to do here, folks. <laughs> no, the movies are not the same. Well, I don't uh, but I don't see Send uh, Sarah your emails <laughs> about this. I haven't seen a thread of kindness in the movies. Like I mean oh, sure there are kind people, but that's that's not the, the, theme the, the movies. The movies bastardized uh Tolkien's writing. They 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 emphasize the the warfare mm-hmm. yeah. and and the struggle. They emphasize but, the CGI potential. <laughs> that's right, but but really didn't deal with the emotional depth that he's writing mm-hmm. about. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have something completely. I know what different. to get Sarah for her birthday now. Oh, her very own that's, set. That's not a good birthday. Probably. Oh yes, it is. <laughs> um, so the book that I'm thinking about is a uh, varieties of gifts. Multiplicity and the Well-Lived Pastoral Life, and it's written by Cynthia G. Linder. It was published just uh, just a couple of years ago, and it is an academically-based, research-based, I think Louisville Foundation-funded uh, project talking about something that I think we all know, which is that we are multifaceted people, um, and church leaders are not just a pastor, just a musician, just a youth leader. We are We have many facets, many interests, many types of relationships, and what this book explores is how to live into that multiplicity and in into that multifacetedness in a really healthy and productive way. And of course, I'm interested in this because I'm writing a book about essentially being authentic as a ministry leader, what it means to be yourself when you're in ministry. And I'm interviewing people around this. So of course, I'm interested because, oh, I'm reading all these interviews that are around a similar, or at least a subset of what I'm, what I'm looking at. Um, but I think it's interesting for all of us if we're thinking about how do I do this thing, being myself in a ministry space, knowing that, you know, not all of me fits into the quote-unquote pastor role, the musician role, the youth leader role. We don't all fit into that box, um, at least as we imagine it. Sometimes we imagine these roles really narrowly, or the church that we're in imagines it really narrowly. And so I think this um, this book can help us see through kind of in-depth case studies well, what does it look like to be a jazz musician and a pastor and a runner and all those things, um, you know, without being a, a stereotype of, you know, the person who can't come up with sermon illustrations and just continually talks about a, 
that one hobby of theirs. Um, I've never worked for a pastor like that. No, like definitely, reading Tolkien. Definitely. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, but I, I think it's you know it's, it's a it's an interesting worth worthwhile read. Sounds fascinating, and 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 I think there there is that that expectation. I think for many church members that that oh our church professionals fit into these particular boxes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and this is what a pastor looks like. This is yeah. this is what they look like. Yeah, and 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 to see that that can be different, how powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, folks, that's it for this week. This week's installment, our first installment of Getting to Nimble. Uh, look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. You can find show notes at sarah-bariza.com. If you're enjoying the show, we ask that you would please share it. Share it with friends in ministry and, and uh, review the podcast wherever you can, wherever you listen to it. Um, that, that helps us and helps us expand the conversation. We hope that you'll you know, take advantage of, of looking at the show notes and giving us feedback and letting us know your thoughts about nimbleness or ideas related to nimbleness you'd like to hear us talk about. We're looking for a podcast guest. If you want to self-nominate or suggest someone who would be yeah. good to talk about. Yeah, and the more famous you are, the better. <laughs> but I'm famous. Sure. Famous to God. <laughs> All right. I am Sarah Bariza. And I am Bill Smoots, a beloved child of God. Amen. My claim to fame. <laughs> Until next time, keep it nimble.